Thank you for listening to Fashion Africana Podcast. Please be respectful of the intellectual property featured in this episode. Hello, I'm Beatrice Angudola and you're listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast and today I'm speaking with Roberta and Omoyemi. I'm so happy you're here. We are tuning in into our very first episode that is on Fashion Africa Now podcast and it's a pleasure to speak with you. Roberta, could you please introduce yourself briefly to us? Yes, thank you so much, uh, Beatrice, um, for this opportunity. Um, my name is Roberta Allen. I'm the founder of African Fashion Foundation, I, as well as Allen Capital Partners, which is a boutique um, investment and advisory business um, based out of Ghana. I have worked um, extensively in the creative economy um, since 2012. I actually started, got initiated, I was inducted into the creative economy while I was at the United Nations and worked on a special issue um, that Vogue Italia published on Africa. It was called Rebranding Africa. And since then, I have worked tirelessly to find opportunities, especially around access to capital, find, make ensuring that designers on the continent and in the diaspora have access to capital and access to market and opportunities for them to build infrastructure and scale. So thank you so much for having me on here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Omoyemi, could you please introduce yourself briefly to us? Oh, hi. Uh, my name is Omoyemi Akere. I'm the executive director and founder of Styles Files, Lagos Fashion Week. Um, we're a fashion business development agency and we've, um, what's the word now, our core focus is to provide some sort of support or some sort of guidance and um, not only for designers, but uh, to sort of take a 360 degree approach to what needs to be done to provide some semblance of, of um, structure for the fashion industry or the fashion ecosystem in Nigeria and how, you know, gradually we can begin to hopefully see the see the signs of change that we, we, we want to see. So we focus on ac- providing opportunities for access to market. Um, we, we focus on providing opportunities for access to capacity building, skills development, through, um, through our, our platforms. Um, and of course, we have the showcase, in, uh, the showcase, showcase platform, which is Lagos Fashion Week, that's quite a lot of multiple, uh, <laughs> multiple are aware of. Um, and of course, uh, I also believe strongly in advocacy as a tool for, for development. So we have platforms that provide opportunities for engagement with private and public sector, with industry people and stakeholders. And of course, um, the other thing that's really dear to us as well is, you know, discovering new talent. Um, and you know, it's, it's been a struggle trying to build it or develop it, but, you know, just to discover them, provide an opportunity to showcase them and to connect them with, you know, any opportunities that might help to strengthen their brand or strengthen their businesses through collaborations or collaborative working. And, um, yeah, so yeah, that's who we are in a nutshell. We're a fashion business development agency 
committed to supporting our creative ecosystem in Nigeria and of course um, in other parts of Africa as well. I hope that, yeah. Wow, excellent. As you can hear out there, these two ladies are amazing. Movers and shakers based in Ghana, in Nigeria. So also for you to know, we are not in the same room at the moment. So it's, it's, it's a pity, but we're still doing it online. This is how you do today. And um, I'm just so glad you both found time. I would like to um, find out more, Roberta, about the African Fashion Foundation. Yes, definitely. So the African Fashion Foundation, in fact, it was launched in um, 2014 as the African Fashion Fund. Um, and I'll just go into like the genesis of um, the AFF and actually where we are now. <laughs> so um, as I mentioned earlier in my introduction, um, I worked in resource mobilization. So I'm more of a, a financial person um, with the United Nations. So I was working on matching capital between um, developmental projects on the, especially not only in Africa, but mainly what the UN called least developed countries um, and um, just matching capital between wealthy individuals. So what we call um, ultra high net worth individuals, family foundations, um, and something that we, there's a terminology called private capital going into developmental issues because we realized while I was at the UN that it was important to align and, uh, and allocate private capital to solve most of developmental issues because what governments had access to was often not enough. Um, and there were still lots of issues. And those days, what we call the Millennium Development Goals, um, which have now been renamed as the Sustainable Development Goals. So my job was to do that. And while there, I saw the power and the impact that private capital could actually have on developmental issues. And I realized that the creative space, and especially in and especially fashion, had such an influence and a strong voice to actually drive change. Um, this was actually exhibited in that first magazine that I did with Franca, the late Franca Suzani, at, um, uh, who was at that time the UN Goodwill Ambassador for Fashion for Development, which is a platform that was really utilizing fashion as a tool to promote growth and inclusive development. And when that happened, I, I was a special project developer for that. Um, I did not want it to end. You know, visibility is one thing, but having infrastructure, having funding, you know, having opportunities to scale, opportunities to, um, you know, showcase your work, you know, in different markets and be giving a fair, you know, like a, for it to be equitable was quite difficult. So that opportunity just created the impetus for me to start AFF. And my idea at that time, I did not even have the funding. <laughs> and I'm just going to highlight this today and openly wow. i did not have the funding to do it i went on passion and i went on the opportunity that i had seen um to just really start this on my own and initially when i started aff it was really challenging because i was taking i'd also started my consulting business at the same time and i was just taking revenue i'll say profits that the consulting business made into AFF. And just last year, we were applying for the first ever grant for AFF. We had never applied for a grant before. So when we were putting all our documents together, I realized that AFF had actually deployed over 1.4 million euros 
since 2014 into the creative economy through sponsorships, through fellowship opportunities, scholarship opportunities, just giving industry, um, you know, platforms uh, for African creatives to show, show their work. And that's basically why I started it. It was really out of passion. And now it has morphed not only into a foundation because I had to um, kind of put a, a, a lot into the, the real structure of, of it because people obviously thought it was a fund and it wasn't the case. So I had to really um, kind of showcase what we really are standing for. We're an, a foundation that supports and nurtures raw raw talent. We do this by giving industry opportunities. We have a fellowship program. And in fact, I'm so happy that my sister, whom I really respect um, in the industry, is on this platform speaking with me because the first ever fellowship we did was together at Lagos Fashion Design Week with Kenneth Eze. Yes, exactly. (laughs) who, Who went to... New York for six months. And since then, we just, you know, I've just kept going and um, have done many more. I've sent you a list, I think, um, of, of some of the um, uh, designers that we've supported. <laughs> Absolutely. It's incredible. And I'm just so glad to hear that you started this out of passion. You know, you even didn't have a funding, but you just saw the need. It's important and the background you have, because this is, was for me also very interesting because um, I found out about you that you actually also have a degree in biochemistry. <laughs> yes. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yes. What is a scientist? Okay, how, how did this happen? Yeah. Multitasking. <laughs> You know, I'm telling Multi- you. Roberta is the queen of multitasking constantly. I'm doing backflips and all of those things. <laughs> the quintessential <laughs> modern woman juggling. You know, Omoyemi, I mean, this is like, I was like, biochemistry, is it real? It's real. <laughs> Girl, yeah. You know, and this is what I love about, about you know, us ladies, we're coming from this background. I mean, my background, it was close. It's it's media. So somehow I was <laughs> dealing already in the creative industry. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's so interesting you say that because every time I'm talking to like investors and all that about what I'm doing, they're like, okay, they look at the background. They're like, wait, but I can, aren't you supposed to be in some lab looking for a vaccine for like <laughs> Corona? <laughs> Why are you in but one thing that I must say, one thing that I must say is my scientific methodology is one that I can apply, especially when it comes to capital raising Definitely. and structure. Definitely. Even strategy. Because, yes. you, yes. you, you know, the teaching approach is, you know, you have to, the observations, you have to experiment, you have to, you know, yes. I mean, it's just completely different and I can see it. And it will definitely yeah. come to play in like so many of the things you do because you're taught to reason yeah. in a completely different way. So, yeah, yep. exactly, exactly. And that's that has helped me. In fact, most of the time when I'm experimenting with things and I, I people think it wouldn't work, I'm like, well, you wait <laughs> because I know that you know you test your sample, you ch- test your hypothesis, you know, and sometimes you need to make a little bit of adjustments here and there until you have the full thing. And that's what I've been going by. You know, it's like, it's never been easy or rosy, but you make mistakes, you go back to the lab, <laughs> you put your, you know, um, your, your um, 
different uh, ingredients, I must say, or whatever it is that you're testing together. And then it works. And that is how I've been, I've been, you know, uh, and I've just kept this vision going. In fact, AFF, uh, I'm very proud of where we are today. And, um, you know, like the team that I have and some of the initiatives, which we've actually done, we, we have now, we are now in the process of launching an artisan's hub. We're doing a lot of work with, um, you know, um, at-risk women and we're teaching them different skills yeah. to become artisans and earn a wage. And we're doing this in collaboration with NGOs that are on ground that already have the capacity to do this. Yeah. And we, we've, We've just finalized our partnership with Bogotalia on scouting for Africa. Who are the winners? Tell us. Who are the winners? Tell us. The two are drumroll, Emmy Kazbich. <laughs> I know, right? Remember, we had we talked about Emmy. I mean, I was in um, uh, Lagos. You know, and they, he, I saw his show at uh, Lagos Fashion Week and I was like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. And yeah. since then, you know what? I must say that Omimi is talented at really bringing the best out of these designers. And I saw the guys showcase and then I later on, like maybe a few months after that, I saw that this guy has um, designed a jacket for Theresa May. So Amy Casbitt and then Rich Mincy from... Uh, yeah, South Africa. So okay. To, this year we gave, yeah, we gave the opportunity to two designers this year. Yeah. So wow. <laughs> very exciting. Well done. Well done. I'm looking forward for East African designers soon to also get this opportunity. <laughs> no, but, but you know, but you know the truth. The interesting thing is, right now we've sort of extended fashion focus to it's now Pan African. So we have Kachungulu, who's East African. Yeah, and she's, she's Kenyan. She's a beneficiary. Yes, we have an Angolan. So, you know, it can be a feeder if uh, Roberta wants to, you know, groom. Don't worry, we're happy to discover them and, you know, do the, <laughs> start the, you know, yes. work. And then you take them on and do your thing and, you know. Yeah, so. And that's why if we also get to you, Omohim, yeah. I mean, this this whole work with the African Fashion Foundation, it's it's amazing. But I know you, you're also like uh, coming up with different kind of formats. And 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 in Nigeria, you, you're for me one of really the power forces who's out there pushing culture forward and really bringing this talent out, you know, showing the world these are Nigerian designers who are using all kind of different weaving techniques, using textiles from Nigeria. And it's just so incredible. And also showing us that it's possible to manufacture Girl, you can yeah. you know because this is something what um is still um not so known over here especially in germany people are always suspicious what you can really produce and uh thinking the quality might lack so um i mean how would you describe the 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 retail and manufacturing landscape you know, um, I'm always so realistic to tell people that it's really in, still in its infancy. You know, let's not try to get it wrong. You know, we're still at least where, where I'm coming from in the sense that, you know, if we think about the infrastructure that exists, you know, to serve my our ecosystem versus the population that we have, we're not even close to starting. Very close to, very still in its infancy, cannot support the 
talents that we currently have on ground, the creativity and, you know, that abounds. But if we're going to compare, I would probably say we, prob we have like 1% structure and 99% creativity, which is why a core, like a huge part of what we do is focus on trying to increase, you know, increase that scope from 1% structure to, to even more. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's been signs of progress. When we launched Lagos Fashion Week in 2011, there was only Temple News, right? You know, and that was probably, mm. that probably seemed fine based on the creativity at the time and the number of brands or designers. But fast forward 10 years, you know, you cannot even begin to quantify and, and we're not only talking about designers, we're talking about brands. There's some retail brands who don't even want to show that, you know, they're just churning out clothes, collections, you know, retail. So, so the landscape is still in its infancy, very small, very tiny. Um, but there's an appetite for consuming African fashion. Mm -hmm. But the core focus now is how are we going to, A, provide opportunities for more education? Mm. You know, how are we going to sensitize, you know, and encourage more public-private engagement so that infrastructure can exist for designers to produce. Mm. You know, how can we hopefully entice more, more entrepreneurs to set up retail stores, you know, that would hopefully make them money and encourage them to set it up across not just Nigeria, but other African countries as well. Because I strongly believe in that kind of Temple News Alara model um, as a way for taking our fashion to the world mm. instead of us, you know, constantly waiting for them to accept us in their stores, you know. So, um, yeah, so the retail and manufacturing landscape is still relatively little, still relatively small. I mean, we, we just did a, we just finished X Retail. Wow. X Retail is like a direct-to-consumer activation, right, that we've had since Lagos Fashion Week's inception in 2011. And it used to be part of Lagos Fashion Week, like, you know, with the shows. But in the last two years, we decided to take it out. And last year was the first time we we're having a standalone X-Retail event. And this year, obviously, because of COVID, we couldn't, you know, host it separately. So with this collaboration, we're, we onboarded like 70 brands, you know, not just Nigerian brands, other African brands as well over a period of two weeks and you know there were over three million views and sales of up to i think between 20 20 between 20 and twenty five thousand euros and you know some were first time first time brands and mm. not designers i'm just saying like everyday clothes for everyday people selling on on a website yes and for me i think that's the future like you know how do we create more opportunities like that where people can collaborate come together to be able to, for that purpose, which was to generate and make sure there's a bit more, 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 what's the word, more capital in circulation because there'd been COVID, people were not mm. buying, people were not shopping. So we had to think of a quick strategy and a quick win, you know, to inject some capital into some of these businesses and some of these brands exactly. in a country where grants are not readily accessible for emerging brands, emerging labels, you know? So, um, yeah, so while yeah. the structure is relatively little or relatively small, I think the vision is how can we, how can we all come together, you know, to obviously think about how to strengthen it, 
yes, our dream would be for the government to invest in so much across Africa. So there's infrastructure and there are malls and it's affordable for the designers and they can sell. But in the absence of that mm-hmm. utopia or that expectation that we have, what can we do with what we have? And that's what we're doing, you know, at Star House Biles Lakers Fashion Week. What do we have today? What do we have today? Let us start with what we have. We don't have access to that much grants or funding to be able to implement, Mm. to to be able to implement our vision or ideas. But what do we have today? And that's how Roberta and I probably met in the first place, collaborating. We've Mm. seen this talent. He's not based in Nigeria with the first story, Kenneth Ize. You know, it's not Nigerian, but you know, what yeah. can what can you do? Like, oh, okay, you guys can showcase him, right? This is what we can do. I have access to this brand, Eden. We can sponsor him to go, you know, even though it was with her money, like she's telling us today. We this is what I'm willing to do exactly. because he's so talented. And that's the future of fashion. It lies in building communities collaborating with yeah. people and coming together, you know, to make magic. And for as long as we're all decide, because at the end of the day, the, we all have similar visions with similar expectations, but I believe that there's more power in trying to do that together instead of trying to do it on, on you know, we could have built our own Lagos Fashion Week e-commerce website in six weeks or eight weeks. And we could have onboarded all the 70 mm. brands just to prove a point that, oh yeah, where we're pivoting. Ah, Starhouse Files is now into retail, <laughs> e-commerce, commerce <laughs> our websites. But I'm like, what's the point? That's not our core business. How do we, you know, who's there and what are they doing and how can we plug into what they're doing to be able to achieve this vision that we have to inject some capital into some of the brands that exist today so that they don't die in the middle of a pandemic and an economic recession. So I see the core of what we do is centered around that, everything that we do. SHF trains, Lagos Fashion Week, Fashion Focus, Fashion Focus Funds, the the little grants that we set up, you know, just to support designers every now and then. And, you know, so that's that's what we believe in and that's the core of what we do. It's amazing because because this is this is how we see it, you know, because you're giving opportunities. And and for me, this is also what I see what is so important for the diaspora. This is what also I have been preaching out here because we here in the diaspora, the 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 talents, the creators of African origin. We are facing situations, so it's not easy to access. And and this is where I see it's important that we also find ways of how can we from the diaspora work together with creatives in African countries? How can we create this shift? Because I see there's a lot happening in African countries, but there's hardly access. When I speak now here from my position being based in Germany, for the creatives to really get access because um, I believe once we connect diaspora and Africa, we can really grow our markets, the economy. And yeah. these are really um, so important um, aspects where I'm always on. And, and I'm glad to hear that the African Fashion Foundation, it's also about the diaspora, you know, but Germany somehow we are, we are not yet, or the black Germans, let me put it this way, we are somehow not yet so visible, but step by step, hopefully um, we are out there and it would be great to find ways how, yeah, we can also collaborate and make that happen. I think what, uh, one thing that Omoyemi said, I'm going to dovetail on a point she made. It's really about collaboration because you see, 
one thing that I, I I've seen here is that the concept of luxury or fashion, you know, and all that is quite nascent in the African context. There tends to be so much in terms of competition, you know, but it's such a large ecosystem, and everybody has a big a part to play. This is how I see it. So it's really about. It took us a long time as EFF to kind of realize what our role is, you know, within this ecosystem. Our role is not similar to, you know, other roles. And so in that case, you're not competing for the same space. You actually have to work together um, to be able to achieve similar goals. So I think one of the key things here is to identify organizations. I mean, like AFF, for instance, we are very open to working with the diaspora because we know that, um, the, you know, Africans in the diaspora face similar challenges, um, you know, to those, the challenges that uh, those on the continent are facing. So if this is the case, then we have to also create a, a, a platform and an opportunity so that they can also um, scale their businesses and also benefit from some, some, some of these programs. I think one thing we need to do as AFF is to really, um, you know, put this structure in place in a very defined way so that people know how to plug in, like your organization, for instance. So I see room for collaboration in that sense. Mm. Stella Jean is, you know, kind of pushing her own like agenda to ensure that there's visibility for Africans in the diaspora um, Africans in Italy, Africans in, you know what I'm saying, to also have visibility when it comes to showcasing your work and giving fair and equitable opportunities. So it's just that we're doing it in silo and we just not need to come together. <laughs> we need to come together because the opportunity for us to be visible in the grand scheme of things is so small that if we're fragmented, it even makes our case worse. We just need to come together. And I think once we, we, we were able to do that, we'll be so successful. Um, and I think the fashion industry is, itself thrives on us being fragmented. I'm telling you, you know, come into Ghana and take pieces of things that are, um, you know, are native to the Ghanaians and then go and do a big collection somewhere in Europe and showcases as an African collection. That is not it, it doesn't cut it. Mm. But if we're together, and when these big brands are coming in, they know that we are forced to reckon with because we're together. So they cannot infiltrate. They would have to go to Omuyemi. Omuyemi then said, Roberta, these people are coming to Ghana. They're trying to do this. I'm already on top of it. And then I call you. You understand? Beaches mm. and in Germany, we're all together as a uniform um, structure then it's difficult for them to, for, for people to take advantage. So that's what I feel we need to do. And I think what COVID allowed um, us to, to reset, to, to really press the reset button and really just figure out what it is that we can um, all contribute. And I know I've been on similar platforms with Omiyemi, um, you know, and, and, and I think this is it. The conversation needs to just happen. We need to be frank and open. I, I say that, okay, I'm good at, resource mobilization that i'm deaf at fundraising mm -hmm. this is where my skill set is this is what i bring to the table someone else is very great at putting together capacity building projects that, that you know yeah, so we all need this to is so together. well well said absolutely and um that's why i'm glad we're here we find time to to speak and for the people also out there because some they they still do not really know how to how to 
um, how should I put it, um, understand, because what I use um, in certain terms, I speak about the African fashion movement. And I remember Omoyemi, we had also our online talk of it, about it. And um, yeah, that was, that was really <laughs> awesome. You know, because for people to understand that, okay, we have this African fashion movement going on. It's about contemporary um, designs. It's about craftsmanship, artisans. And um, it's still, um, yeah, not defined, I would say, because some designers, um, especially here in the diaspora, I realized they do not want to have that kind of title. I'm an African fashion designer. They just want to be named as a designer. And others, they see themselves, yeah, I'm of African origin and I want to embrace the culture. And this is about identity. And um, I would like to know from your perspective, because it's it's about um, creativity coming out of Africa and the traditions are huge. There are so many different, um, yeah, traditions, rituals. And I believe it's important at one point to use it in your collection pieces to really create that unique piece and to create something special. Well, I believe the international industry now is absolutely on it. And I find it interesting why today and not 10, 15, 20 years ago. So maybe Omogimi, you can give us an insight about your opinion. Um, I think for me, I've always, um, I've always valued um, anything that, I, I think a part of me, will probably blame, blame it on my legal background and my, you know, international economic law and uh, sort of approach to looking at things like, you know, what's happening in communities, how people come together to contribute to a whole, you know. So it's always been important to look at fashion from that angle, not just the end product. It's always been, how did we get here? Who are the people involved, you know, within all, all of that, um, within that process, you know, how, you know, where, where's the fabric from? How does it make meaning? How does it, you know, What's the deeper storytelling angle? Who are we? You know, so what is the history behind this? And don't get me wrong, it doesn't always have to be deep, you know, all the time, which is why I also like Sonny Dollard's book on Not African Enough, but it's been very important to me, to us, Mm. to start a conversation from what makes us really different, what makes African passion really different, what makes it what makes it stand out in a in a noises of so much that's going on globally when it comes to passion. And I think what makes it interesting or unique is most of what we do is still touched by hands. And if you know if it's that it that it's still touched by hand, of course, you want to know whose hand is it, you know, how did they benefit from the process, you know, you want to connect in a deeper way, at least for me, in a deeper meaning. And that's why I've, um, in the last, I think more like five years, it's been important to us as a, as a platform to sort of celebrate brands like that, to celebrate designers like that. And don't get, I I have to keep saying this, don't get me wrong, because I know that Sometimes it sounds like, oh, only designers who work with artisans or within communities are doing something that's legit. No, it just means that sometimes, you know, it's a story that you're con- you can connect with in a, on a deeper level. Um, and and that's, that's really important to me. 
what changed? It's always been important to let people know that, you know, African fashion is not a trend. Mm. You know, mm. we're not just some people that we're here today and we'll be gone tomorrow because, you know, you guys fancy that. And, um, but I do understand that this season has been particularly interesting because, I mean, for the, because of maybe the Black Lives Movement and all of that that's happening globally. But um, since we launched Lagos Fashion Week in 2011, we've tried to tell people that it's not a trend. These are people that have produced such amazing work. But beyond that, you know, there's a whole ecosystem of people who are relying on them to be able to earn a living, you know? So it, it, can, it, it is not a, it's not a fad, it's not a trend. It's not something you bring out this season and then you pack it up next season. It's here to stay. It's something we believe in. But um, we're, we're happy to listen to, to people, you know, what's the word, philosophize and romanticize what African fashion means to them. Like, oh, we're supporting this or in support mm. of black business, which is fine. And I know quite a lot of brands who have thrived this season more than in other seasons because of what's going on. But the conversation today should be how do you educate them and we educate them that this is not just a fancy thing. It's not just a slogan. It's not just a hashtag. It's not just something you do for a minute or a day. There are people whose lives rely on the success of some of these brands or Black-owned businesses or African-owned businesses. And, you know, there's a whole tribe of people rooting for them to succeed, you know? And that's why I always tell people that the solution lies within. The solution lies within ourselves to make of it what we want. The solution lies within ourselves to build what we want to see, to create that change that we want, to make that impact that we want, first within our communities, you know? If we cannot impact our communities directly, if we cannot, you know, um, ensure that maybe our retail infrastructure, manufacturing and everything we need to succeed in our own countries, in our own communities exists, I'm sorry they're always going to see us as a trend. They're always going to see us as this fleeting, oh, here today, gone tomorrow. If we cannot back it up with physical infrastructure and evidence of success for the brands, even in their local environments. Like, so why are we putting so much expectations on international audience if we cannot demand the same where we are and where we're from? Mm, Do you understand? Thank you. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Um, Roberta, could we have also your insight about the international fashion landscape, picking yeah. up on it? I mean, there's, it's interesting because today you see it on the fashion map. And I'm just wondering about this. How did it change? What happened that it's today so a must-have? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, just also to kind of dovetail on what Omoyemi was saying and um, to reiterate the fact that the African fashion landscape should not be seen as a, like it's, it's so fleeting, you know, today is in and tomorrow is something else and it shouldn't be seen as a one-time thing, you know, or we need to build infrastructure. And when I talk about infrastructure, I'm not talking about just physical infrastructure. There also has to be some intangible infrastructure that needs to be put in place, such as educating um, the fashion designers to really understand that fashion is not just about creating a collection. You know, there's an entire um, business 
that it, you know goes with being a a, a creative. You know, um, you know, you can you can be good at putting the collection together, doing the design aspects of it. But even if you're not great at it, you need to partner with somebody who has a business or who understands the business aspects of fashion. It's very important because I think for us to have a competitive play in the international fashion um, industry, um, um, we need to really understand that it's a business <laughs> and you know business have infrastructure they have um corporate governance you know that they have to adhere to you know um they, they you you have to also understand where when you actually go in for external funding you know when you need to put in your own resources how to raise capital when to raise capital all of these things are so important and i think we need to understand that so yes accessing capital is important but also we need to understand the kind of capital we should go for so just to give you just a bit of um, an overview my approach to this industry has not necessarily been on the creativity side it's always been on the business aspect um and the first thing that we inter introduced was um courses on the business of fashion that we partnered with a professor from FIT, you know, to come and teach um, some Ghanaian fashion designers, just so that we, you know, we put them through the actual business of fashion and because they're great as, as being creatives. The other thing too is um, for us to have an, you know, um, I see that there's a lot of capital flowing into this industry. That also shows you that there's a, as a, there's a large demand because when there's a, sorry, there's a high demand. When there's a high demand, where is there's the capital, Roberta? What capital is flowing from where? Well, there is. So let me just finish my thing. Please, yes. I don't. Do you? Where is the money? Where is mine? Let me know here. It's good. We are. No, there, there is. So, so let, let me explain what. <laughs> no. Wow. There's a lot happening. Let me give you the, what's happening in the, in the creative space. So the European Commission set up something called Creative High. Creative has been launched and I'm pretty sure early next year they're going to be doing a call because they went through three pillar assessed organizations, AFDB, Propaco and KFW. Mm. And this is 20 million euros that is going only for creative industries in Africa. That is one, 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 one thing to talk about. Where is the capital, Roberta? What capital is flowing from where? <laughs> so Please actually... Did you, I've been quiet since when you said capital oh is flowing. Boy. Please let it flow here. We have so many initiatives that we can. Designers are looking for grants, support, all sorts of things. No, but okay. You see, you see, but there's a lot. You know what? What needs to happen is we need to have a way to push our own people into these platforms. And this is what I've been trying to do with IFAC. You know, where I am looking at putting together a solid Africa team to back my German partners so that we can also have a seat at the table yeah. and also mobilize some of this capital to an Africa team. Because I'm here in Ghana and I'm based here and I understand the challenges. I know the challenges you're facing. I know the challenges that the brands are facing, but it is important for our own person. You know what I'm saying? To be, to have a seat so that, because I am constantly at, you know, conferences and in meetings where discussions are being had about the creative economy, but it's not going into our hands. Mm. That is the issue. Mm. It's often flowing. The only other fund, which is, uh, is, is in East Africa, is Hava Fund, but it's a small fund. And if a fund is doing small loans to support the creative economy, but in fact, I actually admire the work they've done because 
they have done it from like, you know, grassroots level. And now they are like expanding into becoming a regional fund. But if our people could come together and, and support our own, it would just make it so much easier for us. Oof. Thank you for this. It is important. Indeed. I agree. Um, to understand the business, yes. to get access to funds. Hopefully this capitals will flow into the right pipelines so that it can create meaningful value and the impact we want to see in the fashion yeah. industry in Africa. Wow. Anyways, I'm so glad we find time. <laughs> and what we always do on Fashion Africana podcast, we still have two more key questions. Okay. First one, what does fashion mean to you? This is very interesting. I think about, about 10 years ago, or I think they're about, we were in, where was I? I think we were at a business of fashion event in Florence, yes. And, you know, they did ask, um, I think it was, I don't know if it was a party or a get together or something. It was a BOF event, I remember. And someone just thrust a pen at me and gave me a board and said, what does fashion mean to you in three words? And I just thought, wow, fashion, fashion, fashion. And I wrote down, fashion can change lives you know wow it's not three words you know fashion can save lives sorry it's not three it's four i'll look for that image and share with you and at the time it looks or seemed spontaneous it just seemed like something i just brought up but guess what i realized that everything we've done in a way has been inspired by that like if i look at our 10-year journey and i mean i don't mean save lives you know it's not that serious as fashion but in the sense that everything we've been talking about today that the success of a fashion designer especially an african one is the success of several communities of people that are dependent on that person that that person winning right might be something so phenomenal because someone else somewhere in some states like Kwara state or kano state or kaduna can send their children to school, can put food on their table. And don't get me wrong, it's not, I'm not trying to glorify, you know, the way our social systems are or our lack of social welfare. I'm just literally saying that everything is connected. And for me, that's, that's what's most important. How can I be part of something? How can I contribute to something that's so meaningful in a way that can make impact, that can reverberate beyond the garments that we see? How can it, you know, create like socioeconomic impact? How can we, how can it impact the environment? How can it impact even people's purchasing decisions? You know, something like that in a way that can contribute more meaningfully to everything we see about us, uh, see around us. Um, and without, you know, making it seem like, oh, you know, it's about sustainability either. You, you know, no, I'm just saying that it can no longer be business as usual. For the last two years, we've been, our focus has been Africa shaping fashion's future. Mm. And it was, I remember Susie had invited, Susie Menkit had invited um, me to, 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 to the Condonast International, uh, the Condonast Luxury Conference. And she said, oh, you know, it's going to be a Q&A with other people. And I said, no, Susie, I, I don't really think so. I think I have something to share. And that was the focus of our message at the time that, listen, you know, there's got to be a bit more. And, and how do we, um, you know, how do we, yeah. how do we, you know, look at sustainability, technology, how do we look at 
um, education, funding, retail infrastructure, and all those things that, that can really, that can change the landscape of fashion on the continent. Imagine that, imagine a world where, you know, access, retail is in place, you know, people have access to funding, you know, um, sourcing, there's cross-cultural exchange, mm. there's technology mm. that's available, there's innovation, you know, and what, what, what else do we want, you know? So fashion, fashion can save lives in that angle. So not in a, you know, people yeah. are at war or considering we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, not in that way. But I really think that fashion can be part of a deeper, more meaningful conversation in yeah. terms of making impact on our environment, in our communities, to people who matter. Thank you. Roberta, what does fashion mean to you? I would say fashion is development, and it's very similar to what Omoyemi has said. But what I want to add is, because my entire work in the fashion space has been connected to development, right? Inclusive growth and development. When I, what do I mean by inclusive growth and development? I mean, giving the opportunity to people that are informal, because a lot of the businesses in fashion industry on the continent are informal. A lot of them, these businesses don't even have a business plan. They don't even have, you know, a proper, a proper corporate structure, they don't have proper lawyers, legal framework, nothing is in place. But these people are actually contributing to the economic development of our continent. If you go back to um, recent times, just around February, I remember that when we were hit heavily by this whole COVID-19 pandemic, our governments were looking at ways to lock down right mm-hmm. the cities and to ensure that the disease doesn't act the virus actually doesn't spread. And one of the major challenges when we're making this decision is, especially when after the two-week mark of lockdown, they were like, okay, we need to actually open up. What they realized is that what government is actually putting money towards, big infrastructure projects, roads, bridges, airports, um, you know, mining, and looking at how to um, you know, extractive industries and all of that, we're all heavily impacted and hit by COVID because there wasn't a lot of commercial trading, right? Between countries and, you know, on the capital markets. So they realized that what is actually sustaining our economy is the informal sector, is the fashion designer who is in the corner store, the seamstress, the tailor. These are the people that are actually moving the economy. Mm. So these are the people that, even though are informal, are actually contributing to our country's development. Do you understand how impactful and powerful that is? So then they made a decision of an entire country based on these people. And yet, these people don't have the support they need and the infrastructure they need to thrive. And that hits me heavily. Then I realized that the work I'm doing is so important. Even though, on the grand scheme of things, we don't, they don't see us as relevant but we're actually driving and shaking this economy and making sure that it doesn't collapse. Do you understand? And if you compare fashion... Yeah. Yeah. So I, I realize that fashion is development. Fashion is inclusive growth and development. Fashion is a way to, like Mwayemi said, you know, and the other thing that I saw during COVID, and it's kind of dovetails on her point, is 
when all these businesses were out of um, um, commission because of COVID, fashion designers quickly recalibrated their system so that they could start providing PPEs to government to fight the pandemic. So the two businesses that were heavily, um, you know, um, instrumental in this whole fight were the frontline workers, like the health workers and the people in the fashion industry who were pushing the PPEs to these guys. So in a collaborative way. So it's so important to support this industry. And, and then I realized that, okay, the work that I'm doing to bring the infrastructure and support is actually very important. The second key question is, how do you define your role in this movement? So my role really is more on the intangible infrastructure. So I'm not the, the Alara, which is physical infrastructure, which is also very relevant, okay? I am intangible infrastructure. I am the finance, you know, looking at ways to make sure that the businesses in this industry are bankable. So if they are not bankable, what do we need to do to get them to be bankable? And this is, I'm doing this in a way which is a blended finance approach. What I'm looking for is grants that would help these businesses formalize. So make sure that all these businesses come into the formal um, economic sector. So if they're informal, let them be, let's formalize them. Let us find a way to um, give them a bit of track record because, you know, when it comes to banking and finance, track record is everything. So give them grants, get them to be Mm -hmm. formalized, get them to gain that then you you work with the likes of me and me who are doing and yourself who are doing capacity building to ensure that these designers are actually you know scaling and growing in the in, in the form of incubation and accelerating these businesses and then there's a different type of finance that you need when you you are just in the nascent stage and you need to be formalized and it's normally free money then when you are being accelerated, you need angel and patient capital. And that is where we then put in, plug in, okay, this person needs 50K, 100K, you know, let's just give them that and let us watch them grow. And then when they get to a point where they're a fully fledged SME, then they need a different type of funding because a startup is different from an SME and they would need equity funding and then maybe some debt. And they get to a certain scale where they are medium enterprises, they need only debt or maybe mergers and acquisition. Mm-hmm. And then we need to create, because we have to create the ecosystem from scratch because of the fragmented nature of it. And that is my role. My role is to help shepherd these um, um, businesses, you know, to go through the, the knocks and crooks of actually becoming a thriving business and also creating that exit opportunities because that's something that's not here. So if I invest in a, um, um, you know, a, a fashion house, who is going to buy that fashion house? Because as a business, when you're mm-hmm. starting, you need to think about exit strategy and that doesn't exist. But if we've done all of this exercise and it gets to a point, we can then start saying, okay, there's a fashion house in Lagos. Someone from Uganda can sell their business to them and make you know, 2X or 3X their investment. And that's when it starts getting exciting for me. And until that is done, I'm never going to rest. Wow. So powerful, beautiful, looks <laughs> and sounds good. Omoyemi, how do you define your role in this movement? 
I mean, for me, I've always seen our role as um, we're catalysts, right? I've always seen us as sort of like agents of change um, in the sense that um, since Lagos Fashion Week's launch, even, I guess, since the inception of my career, so to speak, in this, um, in this industry, has always been, A, how do we bring together, bring people together? How do we have relevant conversations? And how do we connect, you know, either the private sector to the, you know, to, to the public sector so that the conversations that need to happen can start happening, right? Um, beyond that, you know, how can we be part of a, we also see ourselves as, you know, um, as builders, builders in the sense that, you know, we're happy to do the grunts and the dirty work that people don't really like to see, even though they see Lagos Fashion Week. So from discovering talent, but to, to take a step back and ask ourselves what is really missing, you know? Um, and it's been for something, it could be something as minute as, um, as realizing that what's most important for us now is to build capacity for designers to be able to manufacture in Nigeria, right? So we're not afraid to, to sort of, you know, have those difficult conversations where you set up a manufacturing company, you're able to bring facilitators in to be able to train, train people to have access to sewing machine operation skills or even, or even what's it called, pattern making skills. You know, what are those gaps to identify the missing gap? But beyond identifying the missing gaps, to go a step further, you know, to to look for how to solve that problem. Of course, some of it we've not been able to do, like funding, you know. Um, but um, I remember a few years ago, like maybe with fashion, with, with fashion business series, what we tried to do is, for, for example, as a platform, is to use it as a tool for advocacy, right? How do we, you know, get our government, for example, to start talking about, um, to, get, to get the... Bank of Industry to release, uh, to provide a grant or provide some sort of funding. Or um, there was a season where we were moving the the agenda. It was important for us to move the needle on an agenda for people to to focus on apparel manufacturing. And fast forward three four years, everywhere you turn, everyone is talking about you know how do we scale up manufacturing? How do we create manufacturing hubs for designers for brands to be able to produce locally? So we value it. We value our role as, you know, as catalysts. We value our role as strategy, as strategy thinkers. We value our roles as connectors. We value our role as, you know, development agents, you know, who facilitate change in, a, in, a, in an ecosystem where there's really nothing. I mean, it, it's quite interesting because a lot of people think that um, we operate in an established environment, you know, but we don't. So trying to sometimes even almost think you're magicians because you're trying to create nothing, something out of nothing, you know, and the designers are yeah. scoring yeah. across the country or across communities to source locally, you know, they're looking for how to produce their collections, you know, and it, it, it can be a painful process to watch. So you cannot continue to showcase designers if you're not having difficult conversations around where do they, where do they produce? How do they access textiles? How do they, you know, access funding? How do they, you know, you know, so it's, it's important to, to, to bring all of that into the picture. And the only way you can do that is to sort of take a, take a, take an approach to backtrack a little, right. And to get people like, you know, like everything we're talking about on this conversation, on this conversation, get people like yourselves in, get people like, uh, uh, 
like Roberta in, get people, you know, from different parts of Africa to say, how do we help these people? So we can bring them together. You have the funding, Roberta. Um, Beatrice, you have access to retailers and, you know, all, all of that, where you can help yeah. prompt these people. And this is what we have, you know. So when we all look into that, bring all our skills together, I believe, I believe that therein lies the future. Therein lies the change that we hope to see. But the most important thing is nobody must be left behind. And that's our philosophy. That's our approach. We're not leaving everyone but anyone behind. So while we might be championing designers with Lagos Fashion Week, we're also, you know, concentrating, concentrating on, uh, on brands as well, on labels who just produce clothes, but that they're accessible. They have a market, they have an audience, they have people who listen to them. We're also focused on, wow, we cannot leave sewing machine operators out of it. How do we upskill them? How do we equip them with the right skills? You know, in the same conversation, you know, this season we're thinking about journalists, like fashion writers, critical thinkers. How do we empower them? But what I'm trying to say is we look for, you know, what else can we do? Is it the graphic artists? Is it illustrators? You know, looking at the value chain and how can we strengthen it? How can we so that... We don't want to get, we don't want another 10 years to come and realize that we've been building on nothing. We decided in, 20, in 2011, we decided to start with Lagos Fashion Week at the time because it seemed that, you know, it could be a, a melting pot, or a pot. It could be, you know, the bringing together of stakeholders at least, you know, to be able to create some semblance of structure. But fast forward three years into it, we realized that there was, in fact, what am I saying? A year into it, that there was so much more that, there's so much more that we need to do you know, to make, that, to make that cycle complete. And that's what we're dedicating, you know, the next uh, decade of our work to. How do we add value to creativity? We must add value to creativity. And how do you add value to creativity? Is that bringing the relevant people into the room to have those difficult conversations. They need to have access to funding. There needs to be infrastructure. We need to be able to access textiles. We need to be able to access, you know, um, Oh, I'm talking too much, but you know what I mean. So <laughs> I know what you mean, sis. You gave us an insight. I was just listening. You were on it. And what can I say? I mean, I think the future, the future looks great. We are here and I think it's really an amazing time to be alive and to do what we can do. We, we, we know each other. We respect each other. And for me, I really, um, really admire your work on Miami, what you're doing, Roberta. It's like, wow. And, and I see, I see really a amazing future. It's just that what we all agree on, we, we need to find time to come together, have these dialogues and create and really collaborate and, and make sure we connect. And what I loved, what you said on Miami, we do not want to leave anyone behind. And I think this is really a powerful statement. Thank you. I'm so glad you ladies found time because I know you're mothers, you're business women, and you're really high on demand. <laughs> you're out there and really pushing forward. And um, we are also proud, me here from the diaspora, I'm watching and we are ready. We are ready. We want to connect and we want to yeah make it happen thank you thank you so much guys uh, ladies it was so good <laughs> expressing and connecting with you guys again it was a pleasure talking to Roberta who's based in Ghana Accra to Omoyemi who's based in Nigeria in Lagos 
You were listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast. Thank you, ladies. It was amazing. You're listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast. We humbly ask you to respect our intellectual property. We want to leave you inspired, informed, educated, connected. This is who we are. Fashion Africana Podcast. Get in touch with us on fashionafricanow.com.